0: and welcome to the tent makers podcast i am steven and i am summit and today we have a very um, interesting topic i would say i agree it's very similar to episode one if you watch that if not go check it out hopefully our quality of sound is a little bit better hopefully. for you guys <laughs> i think it is we hope so we've been fiddling with it for the past three and a half hours so yeah it was uh, interesting i wish you guys could have seen it um If you don't follow our social media pages, do that at The Tent Makers. Um, It's it's good stuff. You probably already follow that if you're listening to this. So, oh well. But uh, the episode title for today is... Jesus in My Place. Jesus in My Place. What does that mean? Well, um, that stems from a topic... That we enjoy a lot. And that topic is the gospel. Right. And uh, where does Jesus in My Place come from, Summit?
1: Okay, well, uh, so shout out to my pastor, Tim Hare. Like the first time I attended this church just a few months ago. Uh, I uh, I heard him say that he sums up the gospel in four words. Which, I mean, it's hard to do. And you you can't sum up everything in its entirety. I mean with any amount of words, really. But I think that the four words, Jesus in my place, is a good good sequence of words, really, to raise some questions because you can dive into each of those and um, explain what the gospel is. Like, uh, Because that raises so many questions. Like, who is Jesus? Uh, why was he in my place? What did your place have to do with it? Uh, what place was he in? Stuff <laughs> <laughs> <so>, like <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what place
0: was he in? We asked a few other people. um how they would describe the Gospel in four words, um, just for fun. And uh, uh, we, got, we, got, we got some good ones. We got Peyton, who said, Jesus Christ our Savior, which is very, very accurate. Um, we got Ben. Uh, he said, sin, death, Christ saved. And then we got Caleb, who said something very similar. That said, sin, Christ, resurrection saved. And then Bailey said, Jesus died for me. All of those are really good. Um, but we chose to stick with Jesus in my place because that's one of our personal favorites. Again, thanks to him. And uh, so, yeah, so, so in taking the gospel, we have to understand. I know we talked about it a little bit last episode, but we're really going to dive into that um, based on a statement that we said. And we said that the gospel is not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is not mm-hmm. just the life of Jesus the whole Bible, the Old Testament builds on it, is bringing us to that. And then the New Testament continues that. Um, right. So it starts all the way in Genesis. Um, so some, why don't you open us up with that a little bit in Genesis. I mean. Okay, so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's stop right there. Let's <laughs> stop right there. Seriously. In the beginning, God created. What do we learn about God here? Like We learn so much
1: about God. Like So God has existed since the beginning. Um, since before the beginning, God was not created. God was the creator. Uh, we learned that God has the power to create something that nothing, uh, no thing in the universe has the power to create a thing. Um, so God is outside of, of really what we could understand about creation, uh, or just existence in general. Uh, we learn a lot about God.
0: Right. And in knowing that, I mean, we can kind of skip ahead a little bit here, um, the gospel is centered around Jesus. And you might say, Okay, God was there, but what does this have to do with Jesus? Well we see in John 1, one it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Verse two, he was in the beginning with God. Um And then going on to verse 3, all things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. And if you skip on down to verse 14 of John, chapter 1, it says, uh, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten Son of God, um, full of grace and truth. Mm -hmm. So right there we see that Jesus was with God, and everything was created through Jesus. So again, the gospel starts in Genesis 1.1. And we supported that with the New Testament, which if you don't know this, we're here to tell you this, that all scripture is intertwined. Right. It all goes together. Yeah. So we look at it. We have God creates the world, creates everything. Um, Again, showing his power, his might, his... um, any omni-word you can think of. <laughs> I mean, he's, I don't really know how other way to put it. I can't fathom that kind of power to create a universe in uh, seven day, six days. Right. But uh, to create it and then have a day to rest.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and you think of, I mean, I've, I've been talking about this a little bit lately to different groups of people. But um, there was this uh, the Powers of Tens video, I think, that came out in the 70s. Um, And basically some guys put together this video and they would uh, really just zoom in on the details of things but also expand the details of things um, starting with just a person sitting in a park. So it would start with this person sitting in a park or it starts with their hand or something and then it zooms out and keeps zooming out uh, by the powers of ten and you get out to like the outer expanses of the universe and then it goes back in and you're like dang like the universe is massive. Uh, like a person is nothing, and then it goes all the way back in uh, to the same person sitting on the same blanket in the same park, goes into the same hand, and then you start seeing like the minute details of creation and of life and stuff. And it's it, when you when you start to think just in the, like the very first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created, like God created all of that, the outer expanses plus the, the smallest of details. Um, and that says something about the God of the universe.
0: That's good. He literally spoke light into existence, spoke everything into existence. And we see that in chapter one. And not only did he speak it into existence, he said it was good. Mm-hmm. He said it was good. Yeah. And, uh, we move on to, to verse 26 in chapter one of Genesis, um, it says then god said let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so there again we see our what was it three four times meaning god jesus holy spirit jesus is there with god creating and let's not forget that what, what we learn here is God created us. God is over us, but then he puts us, humans, over the earth. Like, mm-hmm. the intention when he created Adam and eventually Eve was to rule over the earth yeah. and walk with God. Yeah. Um, so in chapter 1 of Genesis, we see God create. We see God as the father, the ruler, the king, the creator, and then creates Adam. Yeah. Which brings us to chapter 2 of Genesis. In chapter 2, we get the creation of Eve, which is magnificent (laughs) in itself. In verse 18 of chapter 2, God says, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So he makes woman, and woman is to come along and help the man, Adam, and be there for him, and support him in every way. Um, Which is beautiful, as it shows um, really, if you really want to think about it, shows us Marriage. Mm-hmm. Another topic for another podcast episode. Yeah. But it's still beautiful it how God creates the world, creates woman for man so he's not alone, um, and then makes us ruler over the earth. Like the the love of a creator to create something. Um, people who create stuff like people who make clay pots, for example, they love doing that. They love their pots that they make. A person who paints loves their art. Yeah. And, Dang, and God. Good. God is our painter. He painted this. He put it all molded all of this. He loves us wow. enough to make us and say it was good.
1: Man, I never really thought of it like that. Honestly. Like I mean, I love making videos. So I look at a video and even if I'm not 100 100% satisfied with the outcome of it, like I still like I love what I've made or I love a picture that I've edited or a cup of coffee that I've made. It's crazy. Yeah.
0: I mean, these podcasts, we love making these podcasts. We love the challenge it gives us to dive into the word and, and to make content for this. And so we love what we put out. You know, mm-hmm. episode one didn't have very good audio quality, but we loved it enough to right. put it out. Like, yeah. we loved it. Um, Anyways, moving on. To chapter 3, and and we're not going to go chapter by chapter through through the whole book of Genesis, but the first three chapters are very vital to the rest of the Bible. And Mm -hmm. uh, what is chapter 3 about, Summit?
1: So chapter 3 is about a lot. It's about, uh, let's see, you've got the fall um, of man in there. And that is (laughs) crucial to what we're talking about. Because we know uh, just from experiencing life that not everything is sunshine, and, and daisies all the time, right? So that's a result of what happens in this chapter. So the fall of man basically is, is, so we know that that God created everything. God created Adam, God created Eve, uh, and he's a generous God, and he gave them uh, this place to live, to rule, to glorify him, to love, um, and to practice, I mean, even their own creative capabilities and and stuff like that um but you know they were living in paradise and and yeah. god said you know there's there's this tree right it is the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil and he said you know you can eat any of the trees in this garden don't don't touch this one don't eat of this one because when you do you'll die um and and yeah, so <laughs> so welcome why, to chapter 3.
0: Why don't we go ahead and read 1 through um, 7. Do you want to read that for mm-hmm, us? Let's yeah. Read 1 through 7 there. For sure. Okay, so
1: now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, God has said, You shall not eat from any, uh, any tree of the garden. Um, the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, uh, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Yeah.
0: Mm. You know, it's something that popped in my mind, and it's not, I don't know why it popped in my mind, but a lot of people jokingly will say, oh, it's Eve's fault, it's woman's fault. That's why they can never choose where to eat. The one time they did, it, it put us in a downward spiral. But let's look at Adam here. Adam doesn't even like, question or doubt and he's like "Mm, that looks good I'm gonna eat it too like yeah and then as we know this is where the first sin started and it's very insignificant in our eyes like looking at what it is Um, I mean it's just they just ate a piece of fruit fruit. like that's all they did they ate a piece of fruit what's what's so bad about that I mean it's not that bad is it well it shows us that sin is sin is sin because all Adam and Eve did to curse humanity was eat (laughs) a fruit. Let alone, they didn't go around murdering anybody. They didn't do any of that. They ate a fruit and put man in this downward spiral. Mm -hmm. Now, let's put ourselves in Adam and Eve's place. We would have probably eaten the fruit a lot faster than they did. (laughs) Like, I mean, we're prone to mess up. We can't even live today without messing up. I bet we can't even go an hour without sinning in some way or form. But it's real easy to say, well, if I was Adam and Eve, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, you would have. Yeah, you would have. For sure. But it's, it's interesting that, that what Satan says here, he says, you surely will not die. Now, this is, again, it's an interesting statement because he was lying to them, but he also wasn't lying to them. They didn't die that instant. They didn't, right. like, take a bite and die. They had to die because of it, eventually sin leads to death. But in that moment, they didn't die. So it was very, I mean, it didn't take much convincing. Once once you learn that, hey, there's there's no repercussions to this, I'm gonna do it. And yeah. well, there are repercussions as we found out mm-hmm. um, very, very quick. Yeah. Um, we see, going on in chapter three, that uh, the Lord came and found them. They were hiding because they were afraid. But obviously, you can't hide from God. Um, I don't know if anybody needs to hear that, but you cannot hide from God. And uh, and then, this is very crucial. In uh, chapter 3 of Genesis, in verse 14, we'll start there, we'll read 14 and 15. It says, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat, all the days of your life. And I will put in it, enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. What mm-hmm. is that talking about? Summit, please tell them. Great question, Jesus. Uh, it's <laughs> Well, so there's your Sunday school answer.
1: Um, but basically, so God is telling uh, Satan that he's going to be cursed. Um, he's going to ultimately be put to shame and defeated once and for all he's uh speaking to him saying that he's going to put enmity between him and the woman uh between his offspring and her offspring he shall bruise your head this is an interesting line this is really important this uh last little couple lines here he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel there god is referring directly to jesus so jesus god is prophesying here uh well not prophesying he's, he's, he's telling them um that you know like satan is going to inflict some damage on jesus namely jesus will die and suffer punishment on the cross but ultimately jesus is going to win and crush the head of the serpent uh and defeat death and that's what's going on here that's what god is unfolding so from the start from from the very first uh time that man sinned god is revealing to them his master plan to redeem man
0: Right. So, right, and as we go through this, I hope you see that it is clear. Obviously, we can't talk about every instance in this one episode, but we hope to and to help you learn more of how it is throughout the Old Testament, because right. the gospel is all throughout the Old Testament. Jesus is all throughout the Old Testament. But uh, you know, moving on from from uh, well, we're still going to be in Genesis, but moving on from from Adam and Eve, we move um, right into Noah. I mean. You get into chapter six and uh, of Genesis, and he says right here in verse seven that uh, the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. Verse eight, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Guys, we made it. To Chapter Six, we made it from Chapter Three to Chapter Six, three chapters in Scripture until God said, "You know what? This is awful. You guys are terrible." Right. So everything.
1: Where? Where is it that it talks about it? Uh, you know, all the ways of man was were evil. Like there was no good in man at this point, point. and um, still yet, God, uh, just because of His nature, something that we uh, should be grateful for, uh, because of His restraint, God, God. God was merciful and didn't wipe out all of humanity. He Rather, saved
0: Noah and his family. Yeah. Exactly. And what you were referencing there is uh, chapter 6 verse 5 says then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great yeah. on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Right. So so people people like to question this. And they like to say, "Well, what
1: kind of God would wipe out the human race for the most part, you know, save one family?" But what people don 't understand is that there was no good in these people
0: none he God was looking into their hearts, He knew the true like the true feelings in their hearts, and it was evil continually it wasn't like evil from seven to eight and then good for an hour, no like continually nonstop evil so God, as we most of us know if you've ever been to Sunday school, God um, sends a flood because he, needed, he was wiping out humanity. But he saved Noah and his family and uh, animals. Um, he saved sets of animals. And again, as some have said, that's showing God's restraint. Because he saw favor in Noah and preserved life for them. Mm-hmm. Like It's very important that we remember that. And it's kind of a scary thought that in that short of a time, from creation to then, that people have already forgotten and and turned away from God to a point where they're continuously evil. And let me remind you, God still showed mercy on them because it took Noah around 115 years, 115, 130 years to build this ark. And the entire time, he's preaching to the people. I mean, like, he is telling them, like, to trust in God. And, like, it's going to start raining. And they all thought he was crazy because it's never rained before. Mm -hmm. Like, the water, the ground got watered through... um, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Do. Do. That's the word I'm looking for. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Anyways, do from the ground, and it, they just it just never rained. So, whenever Noah and them got on the ark after one hundred fifteen hundred thirty years, and it starts raining, can you imagine the frightfulness of them? It is a picture in my head of what's gonna happen. Um, In literally the end time, like what it talks about in Revelation, you know, when it's too late. But this shows a picture of Christ saving the people who trust in him, Christians, people who put their faith in him, saving them from what will happen to us, which will be eternal um, life in hell. But again, in Sunday school, this is just a story of Noah and his family not dying to a flood. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's so much more than that, as we've talked about. Um, in Genesis eight twenty one, it says something. As soon as I turn there, it says the Lord uh, smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, "I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of his hearts of man's heart is evil from his youth, and I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done." Basically, that is God's covenant with. Noah saying that he is not going to destroy the earth again with water he won't do it right um, covenants are an episode for another time yeah but we just kind of wanted to touch that because it's very important covenants are very important throughout the bible and actually in doing research for this I found out that there, the Old Testament and the New Testament are actually um, technically supposed to be called the Old Covenant and the New Covenant right yeah tidbit of uh, fun fact for you so Moving along, we hop over to Genesis 12, which is about Abraham. Abraham is an interesting fella. I like Abraham. Abraham um, got a promise from God. Actually, he got promised three things in uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country, and from your relatives, and from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. Mm-hmm. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So here we see three things promised to Abraham. Those things are those three things are land, people, and blessing. Yeah. And what we're going to focus on is the blessing. Why is that important? Because it's important because the blessing is knowing God and no, and Abraham is gonna bless people so they know God of all the nations. He's gonna make sure that God is gonna use him to make himself known throughout all the nations. That's right.
1: Whew, that's good because which I mean we'll get there but that's a picture of kind of all of our our lives as Christians as, as Followers of Jesus, people who, who who know God, it's our duty now to um, be used by God to uh, make Him known among all the nations as well.
0: But like I said, we'll get there. So, and looking at the life of Abraham, um, a little tidbit of Abraham, um, they were promised a great nation. Their people, uh, God said His descendants would uh, match the numbers of the stars. In Stephen's paraphrased, but um, so. No, or Abraham and his wife were very old and still hadn't had a child yet. Um, they eventually have a child, his name is Isaac. And as Isaac's growing up, um, obviously, Abraham loved him mm-hmm. so much that it was almost um, wrong. Like, he was, he didn't, I won't, I won't say that he loved Isaac more than God, but you could see there might have been um, a competition, right. and honestly. I can't say that I would have done it any different if you had to wait. I'm talking a hundred years old like if you had to wait a hundred years to have a kid I mean yeah, but anyway, so one day God is testing Abraham and tells him that he is to sacrifice Isaac Gosh. um and i I can't fathom that um that's just and I don't even have kids and I can't fathom that right. So what does Abraham do? Uh, he takes Isaac up and is going to sacrifice him, and then the Lord stops him, sends out a uh, scapegoat, and Isaac lives. So what is the importance of me telling that summit if they haven't figured it out yet? <laughs> point it out to them. So there, a sacrifice
1: needed to take place. Why? Because God said so. Um, because that was what was going on. That was a situation. However, God provided. Um, A sacrifice in the place of Isaac Uh, and that's so important because that's what we see when it comes to Jesus like there's a sacrifice that needs to take place for our sin which we'll learn more about sacrifices here in a few minutes when we get to um, kind of the mosaic law and stuff but um, so so God said hey Abraham you're gonna you're gonna go and you're gonna sacrifice Isaac and then Abraham is like okay Uh, (laughs) (laughs) probably a a little less nonchalant uh, than that, but he, uh, he, he was, he was going to sacrifice Isaac, but at the last minute, you know, God intervened and there was a provision so that Isaac wouldn't have to be sacrificed. Rather, uh, the blood of this animal would take place and take, take Isaac's place
0: rather. Right. The scapegoat is a clear picture of Christ for us. Um, Quite frankly, uh, you could look at it this way. Abraham was God um, or just whoever. We are Isaac, and because of our sins, we have to die. But before that, Christ comes in, changes our hearts, and takes our place. Mm -hmm. Um, So here we are, again, pointing back to Christ and pointing to the gospel. Um, Also, we kind of missed over this, not really missed over it, but um, the people, the, the descendants of Abraham, uh, it's kind of important who they turned into because they turned into the Jews, um, <laughs> which is very important because he made a great nation to the Jews, of the Jews, uh, such a great nation that actually people were scared of them and they were taken into captivity, um, which brings us into our next part. And they go into captivity and here comes along Moses and God uses Moses to go and free them via plagues. Uh, uh, there's a, there's a lot there that we're probably not going to dive into, um, quite right now. We'll get to it in the covenants episode. Yeah. But anyway, so he, he gets, uh, he gets, gets them freed. And honestly, it's kind of cool how he did that, but there's, there's a lot more to that than just, just plagues. But anyway, so we, we fast forward to, um, Moses, uh, they're going, they, they, they grow in numbers and they're going and, uh, moses god reveals to moses uh, the ten commandments he gives them these ten commandments to live by and that is what they're uh to do yeah. and because of that they they learn that they have to do sacrifices granted sacrifice has already been happening but now it was more um for this group of people here are ten very clear like um commands that you have to abide by yeah um so, uh, why is this crucial to the gospel, you may ask? These Ten Commandments are very crucial. Mm-hmm. You can take your life and look at these ten, and you've probably broken almost all ten of them today or within this week. Yeah, I
1: mean, well, yeah, according to the standards that are, you know, kind of revealed by Jesus, especially when you look at it in light of when the people are questioning Him, and uh, and Jesus is like... You know, good for you, you haven't murdered anyone, but you've hated someone, and that's the same as as murdering someone so I mean, maybe you haven't murdered anybody but in your heart <laughs> in your yeah. heart you've you've broken that law I mean, just one of those ten commandments, and people look at that and they say oh well i mean i'm I'm a relatively a good person, I haven't murdered anyone, sure, I love God, uh, I do this and that um, I don't really steal, but come on, like it's about more than and just the black and white have you taken someone's life you know? right
0: right um, and uh, you will see in the new testament um, somebody actually comes up to jesus and says i've kept the ten commandments kind of like the story summit was talking about but anyways he said it comes up to jesus i've kept the ten commandments what else must i do and jesus says you must sell everything you own and uh, give it to the poor to follow me because the guy's asking to follow Jesus he says sell everything you own and the rich man could not do it. Um, therefore he had greed and mm-hmm. quite frankly didn't keep the Ten Commandments right. as Jesus already knew but it was it was he had to make it obvious.
1: yeah I mean he didn't love he, didn't, he wasn't obeying the first commandment enough to um, stop idolizing his possessions because really that's what it boiled down to is his possessions came before loving his God. Um, rather, his possessions were his God. That's what he was worshiping, and that's why uh, he was not willing to sell his possessions and sacrifice that and ultimately wouldn't inherit the kingdom of God because he uh, he kept things before God um, in his own life. So, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think that speaks volumes because that goes into day. I mean, I mean, let's just be honest. If if somebody or if somebody walked up to you and said, "The only way for you to get into heaven is to sell everything you own and just go around preaching the gospel." I mean, sell everything you own and live literally with full tr- faith in Christ to provide your every meal, to provide your every drink of water. I would say that maybe or less, probably less, Christians, people who are proclaiming to be little Christ, to be following Christ, less than 10% of them would actually do that. Yeah, I agree. And I think the number actually drops down to five or lower because um, we, especially in America, American Christians, we don't want to give up what we have for the sake of the gospel. Our Mm -hmm. comfort is um, more important then going and yeah. telling people about Christ across the street, sure. down the road.
1: Yeah, and that's—I mean—we're really going to dive into that, I think, in our episode on the Great Commission and stuff, and going and making disciples. But that's so important in in the Christian life is having literally the heart to be able to sacrifice everything that you own and follow Jesus wherever uh, you are. You know, being led to go, or just sacrificing and giving everything up for the sake of sharing the gospel and making his name known, like he's already commanded us to do via the Word of God.
0: Right, right. Moving on to um, Deuteronomy, we get into chapter chapter twenty nine. Talks about so um, uh, we we watched a video to get into this, so I'll just quote that video for this for, for a little bit of this. Um, basically, the old men had died off. The ones who were there when the Ten Commandments were given and the covenant was given. And the younger generation didn't really know anything about it, kind of forgot about it. So this is where God comes in in chapter 30 of Deuteronomy and reminds them of this covenant, which, remember, it's the covenant of Abraham, which is land, people, and blessing of knowing God. So we get into, um, and that's verses 4 through 5 in Deuteronomy, but I want to focus on verse 6. I'm going to read 4 through 5. But I want to, or four through six. But I really want to focus on six. Um, four through six says this: If you, um, if your outcasts are outcast or at the ends of the earth, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there He will bring you back. The Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. And He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. And the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul so that you may live. Right here, again, this is very crucial in verse 6 that the Lord softens their heart for him. He brings them back to him. Mm -hmm. The Lord went out, brought them back, brought their people back together. He never goes back on a uh, promise, on a covenant. He never goes back on a covenant. He can't. That's not his nature. Yeah, um,
1: I mean, we see that just over and over again. Like, how many times did the people of Israel just fail and just turn away from God and run away from Him? Like, going back to the story of Moses, when God used Moses to lead God's people out of uh, out of Egypt, out of captivity, like, God had done miracles in their sight. Like, literally brought them out of the hands of Egypt, parted the Red Sea, crushed their enemies, did all this stuff, and they get to Mount Sinai. Moses goes up on top of the mountain receives the Ten Commandments, Moses goes back down, and what are the people doing? They're worshiping a golden calf that they had created. Like, the God that had just um, brought them out of all of this, like, uh, as we see like in the narrative, is the same God that they are just forgetting and turning their backs on, but still yet, God is merciful, and God is uh, continuing to be faithful to His promise, because that's His nature.
0: Another thing that I kind of want to touch on while we're here, isn't it, this happens throughout scripture more often than not, when man, if man was left to their own desire, they would never choose God. We see right right here in literally one generation of people, they have forgotten all that God has done. They -hmm. have forgotten the covenant. They've forgotten so much stuff, but God brings them back to himself. Right. He never lets us run too far. He will bring us back. Whether that be in means like they got, which was very nice. Um, He reminded them of what they had. Or if it's means of uh, sometimes the trials that you go through will bring you back to God. Um, Mm -hmm. But man left to his own desire will not choose God without the help of the Holy Spirit.
1: That's right. That's good.
0: And... uh, moving on to uh, we're going to skip a big portion of the Old Testament and uh, the Old Testament talks about uh, or not the entire Old Testament let me rephrase that, the little portion we're going to go past is the Judges, we're going to get through the Judges another podcast for another time, we're going to move on to King David King David grows up, he didn't start off as king obviously, but became king and the and Second Samuel chapter seven, twelve through sixteen says this. It says, "What's it say, Stephen?" I'm turning. Tell me, Stephen. Twelve through sixteen says this: When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you, who will come forth from you, and I will st- establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne for- of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the sons of men. Sorry. But my loving my loving kindness shall not depart from him. As I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from you from before you, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. So, we see that David had a son named Solomon. And this is who God is talking about, uh, so we think. Um, Solomon lives and he does his reign. And then we go through um, some bad kings and they end up in uh, slavery to Babylon. So it's like God broke his covenant, but no, God didn't break his covenant. We broke the covenant and ended up in captivity, yet the the descendant that God is talking about here is not Solomon right who is this yeah. descendant we're talking about so actually
1: it's not Solomon like you said we're talking about God's talking here about Jesus he's talking about um, the one who will come from the line of David and be fulfill that that promise and that blessing that God originally gave to Abraham
0: yeah yeah and uh uh, to fulfill that, uh, we, it leads all the way to Christ. Christ will live with God forever. His kingdom will reign forever. Um, his throne will reign forever. That's who God is ultimately talking about. Because this lineage is uh, the people that we're talking about is in the lineage. Like, like they're in the same lineage. And Jesus comes out of the lineage of David, mm-hmm. um, which is very crucial because through Jesus, he he keeps the commandments. Now, something that, very important that we want to talk about here, this is from one of the major prophets uh, in Jeremiah chapter 31, 27 through 34. It says this, it says behold days are coming declares the lord when i will sow the house of israel and the house of judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beast as i have watched over them to pluck up to break down to overthrow to destroy and to bring disaster so i will watch over them to build and to plant declares the lord in those days they will not say again the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge but everyone will die for his own iniquity each man who eats the sour grapes his teeth will be set on edge Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their hearts I will write it. And I will, I will be their God, and they will be my people. They will not teach again. Each man his neighbor, and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. This That's is right. super important. Why is yeah. this so important, Summit?
1: Okay, so for a good amount of time, we have been talking about um, covenants. And basically what a covenant is is, I don't know if Stephen said this or not, uh, but it, it's like it's a partnership, right? So between two parties uh, on this agreement, um, so both sides are to uphold um, the agreement that was made in order. Well, really, for the sake of the relationship. So basically, in in the in the first covenant that we see with Noah, like really, it's all it's all God just in His mercy and in His restraint. But then we see, um, and well, I guess and more with Abraham, like it's it's all on God, and it's about Abraham, uh, the faith that, that God grants him and um, to go and do all of these crazy things that, uh, that Abraham did that we'll unpack in our covenants episode. But um, then God you know, has another covenant with uh, Moses and, and the people with the law, so now the people have to uphold this law, and that reveals to them their sin and stuff. So now man is, is looking at the law so they can see how sinful that they are, actually, um, but we're talking about all these uh, covenants throughout the Old Testament. And then we get to this part here in in Jeremiah where God is revealing a new covenant. And what that's doing is, is that's pointing to Jesus. That's pointing to what's going to be possible through the work of Jesus on the cross. So, yeah.
0: Right. And, and he says that, <clears throat> let me let me read it one more time. This is this little part right here. It says, My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, God is always faithful. It was man who broke their covenant. Right. Um, And moving on, going along, it says, uh, I will put my law within them and on their heart, I will write it and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Mm -hmm. Like we, we, that is the covenant for us. Like the word of God is on our heart. Like it, it should be on our heart. We are to take the word of God, read it, memorize it. But God acts upon us. Like this is alluding to the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit When we do something wrong, whether or not we've read it in Scripture, if we're a born again child of Christ, if we know when we've done something that doesn't line up with Scripture, like that's that's what the Holy Spirit does within us. It guides us. It leads us. It Mm -hmm. helps correct us when we're wrong. Like this is what God does for us, sending His Son to die in that new covenant.
1: Yeah, right. So God has put His Spirit within us, given us a new heart, which um, again is all possible. Like Jesus is the new covenant. Uh, so kind of just over these next few minutes just to wrap this all up and bring all this information into uh this this pretty much a full circle going back to Genesis chapter three where God uh made this promise of uh, like we like we mentioned Jesus um and and Satan and Jesus ultimately crushing the head of the serpent and uh, defeating death once and for all um so, so we've talked a lot about we talked a lot about creation and, and God and stuff, and then sin that came with man and God's mercy with, with them not dying immediately, um, but then you know sin being just this natural state of human beings from then on born into sin and um, it's, it's what we are, and then we have the covenants, we have the laws where we uh, where our sin is revealed to us. Um. and basically all of this goes to show that human beings are not worthy to uphold a covenant relationship with the god of the universe the holy 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 perfect creator of everything we are not worthy we are not capable we are not good enough um so, that's, I mean, that's why that saying, God will never give you more than you can handle, is crap. Because we're born into a situation that's more than we can handle. Um, that's right. And that
0: is a highway to hell. Uh, to quote the great ACDC. Yeah. No. But seriously, like, seriously, we look throughout the Old Testament, all of these stories that we told you, what is the common denominator? God is faithful, man sucks. Right. God is yeah. great, man is bad. It's literally our <laughs> Instagram, our Instagram bio. Bio. But seriously, like in all seriousness, like God is faithful and man, man continually fails and fails and fails and fails and fails. And God is so trustworthy and loving and patient with us. Like, mm-hmm. yes, God has a wrathful side right. that he has to cast upon us. It's because he literally can't be in the presence of sin. Like, because, like he... Can't do anything with sin. Sin is the complete opposite of what God is, as it just is. So we see throughout the Old Testament that we are never good enough. Like Summit talked about, we can never stand up to the commandments, the laws. We can never do it on our own. That's why when we get into the New Testament, the New Covenant, we get the life of Jesus. We get four books of the life of Jesus. Very Mm -hmm. important. Jesus came, died for us, and rose again because of what we did in Genesis chapter. Three. Yeah. And again, this was all set up from Genesis one one. God knew that we would fail time and time and time again. Mm-hmm. That we would have the judges, we would have the kings, and it would never be good enough. We would have the prophets, and it would never be good enough for us. So He sent His Son. That He knew before, in Genesis one one, He knew He was going to send His Son to die for us, to be our scapegoat, as we've seen in the story of Abraham and Isaac be our scapegoat and die for us so that we can be covered by the blood and have eternal life through Christ Jesus. Right yeah that's good
1: yeah so God didn't just make a good call or a good guess um, or predict something that might happen in Genesis 3 when he's telling uh, when he's telling them about the coming of Jesus and the crushing of the head of the serpent and stuff like God planned for that to happen so if you are a brother or a sister like God planned before all of this, before sin itself entered the world, to send Jesus to die on your behalf—that's uh, just how it is, and it's great, and that's so glorious for us to know and to cherish that information. Um, so, like Stephen said, God is wrathful. So while He was m- merciful and 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 faithful to His promises um, all throughout the Old Testament, and well, the old the old covenant, really. Um, God poured his wrath out on Jesus because ultimately, at the end of the day, there is a punishment for sin. Even if you, you know, sin and don't immediately die, like you still live another 40, 60, 80 years, like there's still a punishment for that, and that punishment is eternal death, eternal separation from God. So uh, just because the wrath of God must be poured out on sin because God is uh, merciful, yes, but he's, he's, he's just. And that's actually where his mercy plays in is because he merits us. uh, No, he gives us unmerited grace. Um, Basically, he he pours his wrath out on Jesus so that he doesn't have to pour his wrath out on us. And that is the new covenant that God would put his spirit within us. Uh, He would give us a new heart that loves him, that follows him. Even when we do mess up, we're uh, convicted by the Holy Spirit to um, cling to God to turn back to him. That's that's the good news of Jesus, that we can be in a communion, be in communion and be in a relationship with the creator of the universe that we initially rebelled against.
0: That's right. Um, and I, We can't end this episode without saying this before we end. If you don't have that relationship with Christ, don't wait. Today's the day. If you've never come into this relationship of Christ, you need to let us know, Get on our social media pages, message us so we can get with you and lead you in this. Um, a prayer is not going to save you. A prayer doesn't do anything to save you or to bring you salvation. It does start it, but the prayer itself is, is nothing special. What salvation is, is a relationship with God, and we can help you with that today. Right. But So we thank you guys for listening to us. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, the audio quality is better. We think it will Hopefully. be. We hope you guys enjoy it. If you yeah. don't, follow our Facebook and Instagram pages. Do that at The Tent Makers and uh, help us get the word out so we can spread the gospel. That's and right. Talk about the On Bible. On every
1: platform possible.
0: And it, we, we did have some struggles getting it out there. We recorded episode one in December, so it yeah. was the struggle <laughs> getting it out there. It's a while. So, yeah. uh, but things are, are going good, and uh, uh, we want to open this up as well. Um if you have questions or topics that you would like us to talk about, please mm-hmm. send them in to our uh, Facebook, Instagram, email, however you, you want to do that. Yeah. Um,
1: yep. Facebook, the Tent Makers Instagram, the Tent Makers email, uh, Tent Makers the podcast at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Um, so. Yeah. So, and just so you know, a few of the upcoming episodes that we have, we're going to be talking about the Great Commission in one. We're going to be really delving into the um, covenants in another episode. Um, talking a lot about the Old Testament and just some of the coolness of that. Um,
0: yeah, so uh, we love a challenge. No questions too hard. I mean, we we might tell you that we don't know the answer, <laughs> but we love a challenge. So please, if you have like questions, send them in. Topics, send them in. And uh, I'll be looking forward to some special guests um, coming up. I don't know when, how soon, but we are working on that yeah. for um, some episodes. So uh, you guys... Be good. Share the gospel. Be good. <laughs> good. Be good. <laughs> Sorry, but I don't know. I'm awkward. Go I'll share stay, the gospel. Stay in school, but I do <laughs> But I'm not in school myself, so, so I'm not gonna. Say. Uh, be be good <laughs> disciple makers. We'll do that. Be good disciple makers. Be people of the Great Commission. Go out, share the gospel, love Jesus, and love people. We will see you guys soon. Amen. Whoop-ha!
1: WAPA!